you know, when I started 12 years ago at VentureBeat, I, I thought I was giving up the, the game coverage uh, to go focus on tech and, and uh, uh, startups and venture capital. Uh, but then all the all the money started going into games, right? <laughs> like things like Zynga and, you know, Facebook games. And, and now there are more than 30 different uh, venture capital funds that are investing in games, like they're game-specialized uh, investors. Welcome. Our guest today is Dean Takahashi, who's been a journalist for 30 years. He's a lead writer for GamesBeat, AdventureBeat, where he covers games, chips, hardware, R&D, and other tech. Um, I've known him for about 15 years. Um, we were just talking before we started about the last uh, uh, news break we worked on. Um, but first, TalkWalker just released its 2021 Social Media Trends Report, which deep dives into social media marketing strategies that will be most effective in 2021. It's based on interviews with influencers and research from their social media monitoring intelligence platform. It's an amazing report. You don't want to miss it. And you can download it at ericschwartzman.com forward slash talkwalker. Dean, welcome to the Earn Media Hour. Thank you. I appreciate it. Now, Dean, you have tremendous perspective because you've been covering technology since the beginning. Over that period of time, what changes have you seen emerge, not just in the newsbeat you cover, but in the process of journalism, in the way that the sausage gets made? Mm-hmm. Well, I, uh, I arrived in Silicon Valley um, in 1994, so not, not quite the beginning, but uh, it uh, was the year that Netscape went public and... Uh, uh, the year uh, we had the Pentium bug uh, uh, in the uh, in Intel's big chip, and um, uh, you know I got to uh, got to meet Andy Grove uh, a few months after that uh, that bug, and uh, you know he was he was staring at me and going you know your name became very familiar to me during this process, <laughs> and I was going like yeah he doesn't mean that in the nicest way, uh, but uh, you know. Uh, it was uh, a fun time to get started uh, covering, you know, tech in the Valley. Uh, I was a, a tech writer a few years before that uh, as well in Orange County and out in Los Angeles. Um, and, you know, that was where I got these interests started in games and um, especially in Orange County. I, I covered covered the company that became Blizzard Entertainment, um, uh, writing the first story on, on those guys um, in Silicon Valley. Um you know, it was fun to cover the beginning of the 3D graphics era um, when some companies were coming out with the games like Tomb Raider and um, uh, NVIDIA got its uh, start. Uh, I, I covered, I interviewed Jensen Huang, the CEO of NVIDIA, and, you know, covered his his uh, companies coming out as a Windows accelerator. They're, they're using 3D graphics to speed up Windows. Uh, and... Uh, and now they're, you know, they're, they have more than 10,000 employees. <laughs> so they were, they were back then they were one of like a, you know, 80 graphics chip startups and uh, they became the survivor. And now there's only sort of like two and a half left. So, uh, but when you think yeah. about, when you mm-hmm. think about sort of the staff that you were working with 
at the San Jose Mercury News when you were covering tech up there. Mm-hmm. You know, I know it was a pretty big staff mm-hmm. and it was a different business back then. Mm-hmm. And I would imagine there was more of a bureaucracy at work behind the scenes, mm-hmm. kind of deciding what became news and also uh, probably a good amount of support with respect to fact checking and headline writers and uh, different people inside your department to help with research. Uh-huh. Talk to us about how that's changed in terms of how your life as a reporter covering uh-huh. news has changed yeah. from the time when you were at the at the Merck with you know three hundred people versus uh-huh. you know where you are today at Venture Beat. Uh-huh. Uh, I don't know how how big the staff is there, but how it, talk to us about that transition. Yeah, we uh, we had a very uh, a good uh, tech team uh, of uh, reporters at at the Merck uh, for a long time. People like Lee Gomes and David Bank and Rory O'Connor. I, I was learning a lot about tech uh, from from those writers, and um, uh, they had a very solid team. Uh, you know, whole copy editing staff, um, you know, photographers, uh, and uh, very seasoned editors. Uh, I remember our editor uh, Jerry Seppos. Uh, kind of put his foot down at, at one point and, and said, look, you know, I don't feel like we're we're winning in the business coverage of Silicon Valley. Um, you know, it's it's like we're doing um, a lot of small stories, uh, just like every little news bit coming along. And it's kind of like covering uh, sales of paint during the middle of the Italian Renaissance, right? You, you like miss the cultural change and you miss the big picture. And so, you know, those are things that are, are always sort of good to remember. And like, you know, now um, there's just such a, um, a huge news fire hose by comparison um, and so much more competition. You know, everybody on the Internet internet is your competitor and they can break news and break stories. And so you, you have to even be more judicious in, in choosing what you write about. And uh, uh, it is hard to get out of that uh, that daily news cycle and uh, uh, see, hey, what what am I doing different? You know, what's my unique content? Uh, am I differentiating myself in any way, or am I one of uh, you know three hundred writing one of three hundred Apple stories that's going to appear that day? And and how has the way? Mm-hmm. You cover the news changed. How do you, how do you do that? How mm-hmm. do you insulate yourself from just being, you know, a news desk that's breaking daily stories versus mm-hmm. someone that's sort of talking about, you know, the forest rather than the trees? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I always still like to uh, get a little deeper into it than uh, some, you know, general, uh, general interest reporters will. Um, you know, if you're working for the Associated Press, you know, you're not you're not going to be required to understand the tech or use the tech or play the games. Right. Uh, but I always felt like it was it was, you know, great to be able to get the demo of something, or you know, see it live to play a game and then talk to the people who created it. Um, that, you know, that to me is immersing yourself in uh, what you're covering, um, you get to know um, not only the products and the, you know the games, uh, but the the people who are making them and the personalities. And uh, eventually, what happens is is that you you cover these people who are making these things over and over again because they they tend to you know stick with it and 
become serial entrepreneurs or you know serial game creators and uh i i can count a lot of people like over the years you know where i've interviewed them you know every five years or something for for something you know very interesting and dramatically different that they that they've done um and and that that's that's one of the sort of most gratifying things about what keeps me going is that you know, I get this chance to have these relationships with people and I get to see them from, you know, cradle to grave, basically, with their startups. And, uh, and you know, it's, uh, uh, it's always interesting to see them uh, go through different kinds of their own personal arcs, um, either with high points or low points and, uh, and seeing, seeing them coming back from it. And, um, and it's, uh, you know, it's, it's not the same as, say, being, you know, friends with the people, Right. <laughs> because you don't want to, you know, as a journalist, you don't want to just write about your friends. Right. Uh, but it is having, um, you know, good relationships uh, with people that make your work better. So I, I want to talk about uh, your media diet. But mm-hmm. bef- but first, I want to talk a little bit about systems, mm-hmm. because, you know, when you got into this business, probably the way you kept abreast of news and information was the telephone, uh-huh. calling people on the phone and going to events and stuff. Uh-huh. And now, you know, there's all these information systems and uh, uh-huh. tools for monitoring news and information. So talk to us a little bit about the different systems you use to uh-huh. stay abreast of the technology news beat. Uh-huh. Um, well, uh, in, in some ways, I, I look in my email uh, every day and I get I get this inbox of, you know, something close to 500 emails. And um, it's very uh, hard to be systematic about um, about wading through that. I mean, you you basically have to um, read it. Uh, and, you know, if, if something comes in from star to people that I have talked with before and have put a, you know, important star in, uh, you know, that helps uh, filter uh, things. Um, uh, I do look for, uh, time sensitive information like embargoed stories and, and, you know, we could go on and on about embargoes. Right. But, um, uh, those embargoes will, will set up my sort of, um, you know, basic schedule for a week about uh, the different options that I have for covering stories. You know, it's, it's like a, a bit of a window into the future that helps me. So I can, I can see, you know, what's going to happen, you know, on a given Tuesday and uh, look at what's uh, most important to, to pay attention to. So that's, you know, that's one of the filters that um, I think a, a lot of writers go through is that like, okay, you know, what do I have that has to run tomorrow or the next day or whatever. And, and then when you, you get through that, then you, you also think about, you know, just, um, I write a column every week as well. You know, what kind of topics do I want to cover for that? Um, uh, I, I check the competitors pages, uh, you know, uh, you know, anybody who's writing about games very prominently or anybody who's writing about tech, you know, uh, covering, looking at things like, you know, what's running in the wall street journal or Bloomberg and, um, you know, what kind of scheduled events are, are there? Like, are we in, in the middle of earnings season? Uh, and a lot of, you know, I, 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 
I used to go to a lot of conferences, uh, you know, every, every month, uh, it seemed like I was traveling somewhere, but, uh, in the pandemic, we're, we're not going anywhere. Uh, and we, you know, now, um, you, you know, have, have a harder time just, uh, connecting with people, uh, yeah, for, for insights or stories, you know, it's, you know, finding, say the right person you want to meet at a conference, uh, when you do that, do that online, it's, uh, it's so much harder now. So, so I don't have a system in place really for getting used to that yet. Um, and I don't know, you know, what, um, how, how that's going to net, uh, net out other than, you know, someday we get a vaccine and we can all go start traveling again. Um, so, uh, it's, it's a lot of, uh, you know, hard work, um, of just trying to keep up with, with everything, I think. Um, and you cannot succeed at it. <laughs> you cannot, you know, and, and so at, at some point, I don't know, sometimes it feels like you just work until you drop or you, uh, you, uh, you know, you look at all the things coming in, uh, until, until you, um, until you, uh, can't do it anymore. Um, I mean, there's also this sort of outbound system of reaching out to people that I know and that I've worked with before, um, you know, particularly, um, sources, uh, who, who will tell me anything like, you know, not because they're just pitching a story into me, uh, but because they find something interesting. And, uh, you know, those, those often start out as like off, off the record conversations of like, Hey, what's going on? Like, what's the most interesting, thing happening out there um you know these days there's there's so many deals happening um in in games there were um you know when i started 12 years ago adventure beat i I thought i was giving up the the game coverage uh to go focus on tech and and uh uh, startups and venture capital Uh, but then all the all the money started going into games right (laughs) like things like zynga and you know facebook games and and now there are more than 30 different uh, venture capital funds that are investing in games, like they're game specialized uh, investors uh, around the world. And, and that has now started taking effect. And um, uh, I think we've seen in the first nine months of the year, we had more than a hundred game companies get um, investments. Uh, and there were something like $20 billion worth of deals. If you count both the investments and the acquisitions that have happened. So, uh, so a lot of that outbound interest I have is in finding out just, okay, what kind of deals are happening? Who's, who's talking, you know, about buying who. Other than, uh, you know, the email and the relationships, are you using any sort of filtering technology? Are you using, any alerts, Google alerts? Are you subscribing to any services uh, that help you with filtering? Do you use Factiva, LexisNexis? Are you looking at congressional testimonies? Anything like that that you're sort of monitoring with a keyword? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we uh, we do have alerts that come in. That, you know, it's just sort of hard to remember some of them. I I do have. Um, uh, what's the what's the thing for monitoring in Chrome that gives you alerts? 
uh, for changes at the big websites, right? Um, so, uh, so we can get alerts that way. Uh, the name escapes me right now. I'm sorry. Um, we uh, so they just sort of show up in my in inbox. I don't pay as much attention to where it's coming from, <laughs> but uh, but yes. Um, uh, we we can get automated of alerts of of you know changes to existing websites like you know Microsoft makes an announcement about Minecraft or something, right? Um, but but those aren't necessarily as important because a lot of times they're um, they're telling us us that that's going to happen in advance under some kind of embargo agreement, um, and. Uh, uh, yeah, I think there's just a lot more I could do um, uh, other than just going out and reading things, like reading what's what's out on Twitter or reading. Um, I do look at, uh, you know, for, you know, we, we don't have comments on our, on VentureBeat, right? Because uh, we just got so much comment spam over the years. Um, but so I do go look, seek out uh, commentary from people about stories in different places, like, uh, you know, on Reddit for games uh, or on Reddit for games journalism. Like, uh, there's a whole ton of rabbit hole information there. Um, uh, or when we post videos, you know, the, the comments that come in on YouTube as well. Um, and as far as like, you know, system about like, say, what is hot? Like, well, I look at uh, things on the game side, you know, uh, there's all kinds of ranking um, organizations out there that will tell you, here's the top 10 games uh, of the month uh, on Steam or uh, in any given area. But I also go, say, like to, to Twitch and I browse on the live streaming, um, you know, what's uh, and, and they rank them in order of popularity. And so I can see what's the most popular game that people are watching right now. Uh, and so what it, what is the game that people are most interested in right now? And ROC, you know, like, you know, Call of Duty Warzone will be pretty high. Uh, but, you know, when something else comes along, it'll it'll shoot ahead of it and, shoot, you know, shoot to the top. And so there's some perennial games there, like, say, League of Legends and um, if you if you can see that there's a brand new game that's out and it's more popular than League of Legends on Twitch, then that that that's a little signal that tells you something about like okay maybe I need to pay some attention to that particular game. Right? Uh, Dean, who are some of your favorite voices in uh, tech media, tech news media? Mm -hmm. uh, I. I I like, uh, you know, I do focus on, on the game journalists that are out there. Uh, uh, but I also, I also like the writers who, um, have over the years focused on, on culture stories. Um, uh, and, uh, you know, tech culture stories. And so, um, you know, there, there are a lot of writers at say New York times or Wall Street journal, um, at Bloomberg, uh, Jason, Jason Schreier at, uh, at, uh, Bloomberg, uh, he, he was formerly at Kotaku, um, you know, and he's writing about games and he had, he had approached the beat from a, a labor point of view really. And just sort of f following issues and, uh, that were related to, uh, you know, uh, 
companies that were overworking their employees or companies that had harassment problems or, uh, uh, and so he was finding people sort of, um, he could talk to anonymously, uh, and he, you know, talked to a lot of them at different game companies and just sort of draw some conclusions about how those game companies operated and whether or not they, they had, uh, issues that they you know, ought, were behind the scenes, but ought to deal with. And so, um, when say Ubisoft had some uh, sexual harassment problems that surfaced in, in a very big way, uh, you know, uh, a writer like Jason was was on that and um, and could monitor it. The, uh, another writer named Cecilia de Anastasio uh, wrote an expose about Riot Games and the sexism at Riot Games after interviewing dozens of uh, of executives there, and uh, and there were just some very interesting uh, anecdotes that came out of that kind of reporting, and so. Um, so I, I, I think, you know, what, what's interesting or sort of good to remind me is that, you know, like, while, um, while I'm paying attention to embargoed content um, that, uh, you know, I, I, I know what tomorrow looks like. I know what two days from now, three days from now, those story, I know the stories that are coming in look like um, uh, I'm not going to find those other kinds of stories through that kind of reporting, right? Um, uh, so, so I'm just, uh, I'm just managing a sort of a press release schedule. If I, if I only pay attention to what's coming in, into my inbox or what is coming through embargoes, right. Uh, if I want to go find, um, stories, uh, that sort of get to some higher truth or, uh, what's really happening, uh, in an industry or in a company, then I have to be talking to real people. To, to what extent is it, is it a Faskian bargain? Because mm -hmm. on the one hand, mm -hmm. uh, you're getting advanced access to stories before they break so that you can really dive deep, get access to the players and prepare coverage that's meaningful, that mm -hmm. breaks on the day when the embargo lifts. Whereas if you were to cover more on a more investigative track, um, mm -hmm. might that compromise your inclusion in those embargoes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, those are, those are actual trade-offs that you see um, pretty regularly. Um, you know, we we uh, have worked our way up in uh, you know the importance in in things like game media, uh, and you know we can vote on things like say the game awards because we quite often run game reviews, and they're they're widely read, and so. Uh, we get access to games uh, because of that. And so people will come to us early and, you know, ask us, you know, to preview a game and um, uh, we can write about it. And, uh, and that uh, is balanced against, you know, like, Oh, well, you know, we have a controversy at a company and we have to ask them about it. And, um, uh, you know, maybe they don't uh, want to be asked that question. Um, uh, they would consider, you know, not inviting us to some event where we could ask questions. Right. Uh, so, uh, you know, I, I think, you know, it's very useful though, to, to have access to all the right people and then to figure out how to use it, uh, to, to deliver some kind of balanced coverage. Um, you know, it is nice to have access to uh, a CEO who has insight into all the deals that are happening in the game industry. Uh, because everybody who wants to sell something is going to go to that CEO, 
right? And so um, uh, if that CEO will tell me, okay, this is happening, right? Then that's, that's a plus for me. And that helps my coverage, uh, gets us stories first and helps us uh, also, uh, you know, get more readers. Uh, but you know, if, if, if the story is, um, you know, there's a sexual harassment lawsuit against this leader, right. <laughs> then, uh, you know, that, uh, uh, that is, that is not something you just skip, right. Um, you have to, to write about that. And then if it loses you some access, uh, you know, uh, that's okay. And sometimes, um, it'll, it will, you know, you realize that, you know, when you lose access to something, it's often temporary, right? Um, because at some point, you know, they, they may cut you off because of a story you did, right? Or an attitude you had. Um, you know, there were, there were I, I recall getting cut off by Microsoft um, after I was writing a lot of stories um, that had sort of an insider view to them. Uh, they felt they were biased and, um you know, went into things like, you know, the red rings of death for the Xbox 360. Um, but they got, they got over it and, you know, I got over it and, um, you know, I have, I, I enjoy good access to, to them these days as well. Uh, so, so the, uh, there isn't a real long lasting consequence uh, if you basically do your job and have to, you um, write what you need to write. Yeah. The biggest um, news break of my career was a news break you were involved with. It was a, it was an embargo mm-hmm. and there was everywhere when it broke. Uh, and, you know, there was sort of relationships and everybody knew each other and there was trust. There's never uh, a contract with mm-hmm. an, it's, it's an agreement. Everybody mm-hmm. respected the embargo and it worked nicely Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but, uh, back then it was basically public relations, media relations, people, and the media. And there were these sort of unspoken rules on how information was exchanged and what an embargo was. Mm-hmm. And now, you know, we're in this environment where the trade media has been gutted by mm-hmm. the, um, migration of classified advertising to Craigslist and the migration of display advertising uh, to pay-per-click and, and Google, right? And and so now uh, it's not just the media and PR. There are all these other people, right? All these sort of online influencers or bloggers or folks who may not really know what an embargo is or mm-hmm. may not really have the same understanding of the term off the record as mm-hmm. someone who's in the press corps would. So um, talk to me a little bit about sort of how, if at all, you mm-hmm. work with online influencers or sort of, you know, uh, maybe non-ad supported voices that have their own websites, consultants or, you know, VCs who might have, you know, a website with a blog to try to drive deal flow. How does that sort of ferret into what you do? How do you work with them? Are they, mm-hmm. are they competitors? Are they sources? Yeah. Talk to us about how that has changed your world. Yeah. I, I liked, um, you know, I, I know that uh, a lot of journalists, uh, uh, 
you know, talk, talk bad stuff about uh, influencers because they're not journalists and, you know, you can accuse them of being paid to say something uh, because they, you know, have relationships with companies that are sending them lots of gifts or sending them, you know, uh, or paying them to, you know, support something. Right. And, um, uh, and yet I, I admire them as well. And so I'm not as, um, you know, negative on them because, uh, in gaming, I, I, I have long been interested in this, this thing called the leisure economy, which is the idea that we're all going to get paid to play games. Uh, and it's part, it's an attention thing, right? Like if, if I decide to use my time and attention to focus on a particular game, well, the people who make that game will extract some value out of that and, uh, and they should reward me. Uh, and so, you know, Basically, they should pay me to play their games, right? Uh, and the more people who can have this kind of uh, life, this kind of career, uh, I think the better. Like, you know, we're all worried that AI is going to replace us, right? But if you're um, getting paid to play games, uh, you can, you know, do things that didn't exist as careers uh, just a short time ago. So you can you can be an esports uh, celebrity. Uh, you can be, you know compete in esports tournaments or you can be a cosplayer uh dressing up in game related costumes uh and uh be a live streamer um you know all these all these jobs uh careers they they didn't exist in, in influencers on youtube you know they they are living this dream this this life and i i want to see more of it you know so it it is um interesting that we're you know you know we have so many people who are uh, actually making a living this way. And, um, but you, you know, you have to sort of take them into account in, in, in the flow of information. Right. And some of them, um, they don't have relationships, say with companies and sometimes they glory, they glory in that. And they, they allow, you know, they do, they go on rants about, you know, games and the game companies that make them or technologies. And they just post that on YouTube and they don't even ask the, uh, the company to clarify anything or for any information or, you know, they, they don't sort of do the, the objective reporting that other people would have to do. Right. And, um, and yet the companies see that they've amassed audiences. And so somehow they, will think about working with them. So like I, I can go get, go to a game preview um, with a big company like Electronic Arts. And uh, I can, you know, see there's a bunch of uh, journalists there. There's also influencers and they're all people who agree to a, an embargo, which is publish a story at a certain time. But other, uh, other folks who are just sort of not in contact with EA, um, may get leaks of information. And sometimes then uh, I've, what I've seen is that the companies themselves realize that this is going to leak, right? You know, we just had 50 people in to see this. Somebody somehow is going to leak this out uh, and, you know, it's going to preempt our announcement. And so sometimes they, the companies will dribble it out. You know, they will leak a little piece of information to some of those people that normally they wouldn't work with, <laughs> but uh, you know they uh, they get them that information and they just you know leak something and uh, um, it 
tends to generate more interest in the subject. And so when it's finally announced and the embargo lifts, um, they have a huge audience sort of waiting already to see what the real story is. So um, every company has a website, which means every company is in the media business because a website is digital media, mm-hmm. but not everyone has the tech chops to manage a website. Mm-hmm. And most organizations have more important things for their in-house IT to do that support web content management. Mm-hmm. If you're in an agency or a company and you're short on IT resources and you want to communicate effectively online, check out IPR software. They're an end-to-end online communication solution provider with onshore IT resources standing by 24-7 to help you achieve your objectives. So stop begging consultants and your in-house IT to help you with your content marketing efforts and uh, check out IPR software. Uh, If you go to ericschwartzman.com forward slash IPR software, you'll see how much easier your life can be. Tell them I sent you and you'll get your first month for free. Uh, So Dean, Uh Picturebeat has an AI content pavilion called The Machine Uh and an electronic gaming pavilion called Gamespeed. Uh Are those your primary coverage areas? Uh, AI and games are um, where we have multiple people covering stories every day, uh, and they are sort of the heart of what we do. Uh, We have different uh, other buckets of of things that we cover, Um, you know, venture capital, startups. uh, We're likely to put more emphasis on the enterprise um, soon. Uh, You know, consumer technology is is a, a big area that any tech news site tends to cover. Um, but, uh, you know, that's not always a, a battle that we can win, right, with our limited resources. So, so that's why we like to specialize more in some things like games and AI, um, is that uh, we know that we can do some of the best coverage that, that uh, there is, and we can get access to the right people in those areas. Uh, whereas, uh, you know, sort of general tech coverage, uh, that everybody can do. Um, I think going forward, we may choose not, not to do them as much. Um, like as an example, you know, when Apple reveals a new product, right. Um, how many, how many journalists are there? How many journalists are covering that right at the same minute? And are people going to come to our website just to see that coverage? Um, uh, you know, probably not. So that's that's like a battle we would lose. And I, I think it is important for publications to figure out, you know, where they can win and what what uh, what battles they're going to lose. When when you when you hear the the name of the publication Venture B, mm-hmm. you think, uh, you know, venture capital, investing, startups, those types of deals. So when you look at AI and games, are you looking at it through that lens? Uh, Yes and no. I mean, we covered games long before there was any venture investing in games, uh, and which is a relatively new phenomenon as far as just having those specialized, uh, you know, game venture capital funds I mentioned. Um, But, uh, but now that the you know they are uh, bigger deals, uh, yeah, we we are 
um, you know, paying attention. Like uh, part of our publication is very much a business publication about the industry and uh, looking at uh, what is coming into the industry in terms of the startups that are that are forming and what is you know what is exiting, like who's getting acquired. Um, you know, Microsoft bought uh, Bethesda for seven and a half billion dollars. Uh, we never used to see deals like that in games, and uh, and now uh, they're happening re- very regular regularly. And so there, there's like a, this confluence then between our interest in covering venture capital, interest covering startups, uh, you know, the tech that goes with them, and and the content games as well. And um, what I what I've always liked doing myself is is covering the intersection of of uh, uh, different industries. And uh, and so like semiconductors was uh, something that I covered uh, first before I started covering games. Uh, But I found it very useful to just at least understand semiconductors um, so that I could, uh, you know, intelligently cover the, the game consoles. Uh, and, uh, you know, when there were issues with the, the semiconductors, the chips, then, you know, I, I could sort of blend, uh, the knowledge from the chip side and the game side together and, and get better stories as a result. Like, uh, you know, it, it has, I think also paid off to have this interest in, you know, the far future. So like science fiction, right. So, um, uh, we we do events now, and we have an event coming like on January twenty seventh. Uh, that's all about the metaverse, and um, you know you think you know. So this is you know the notion of the you know the universe of virtual worlds that are all interconnected, uh, a online place where people basically live, uh, and it came from the Neil Stevenson novel from the nineteen nineties called Snow Crash, and. Um, you know, it, it was science fiction. It's a nerdy idea and it was a hobby for lots of people in Silicon Valley. And I remembered a, a quote from Will, Will Wright, the, the SimCity creator, was that a dog-eared uh, copy of, of Snow Crash was the business plan for every startup in Silicon Valley. Right, and that was that, a lot of that was true, uh, but now it's like no longer a hobby, and it's no longer science fiction, and it's real, and it's something that's coming, and we have enough people to speak about it to put together a full day's worth of uh, a conference, uh, because these people have made it their day job to make the metaverse happen, and it's a it's part of the business plan, it's part of the strategic plan. Um, there are venture capitalists who have this sort of baked into their reason for being venture capitalists. Uh, and, um, uh, you know, they, they realize that they can accelerate it now because of the pandemic. Uh, and that if we can't go meet people in person, then maybe we should go meet them in the metaverse and uh, it will be better than the zoom verse that we're all stuck in. Right. Um, talk to me a, a little bit about the sort of the, the um, editorial personality of GamesBeat and VentureBeat. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, is it straight ahead? Is it middle of the road? Is it snarky? How would you define or characterize rather the editorial personality of your publication? Mm-hmm. Well, we, we like to think it's journalistic in that, you know, we, um, we clearly uh, distinguish between things that are like sponsored posts or op-eds uh, with opinion uh, and um, 
news stories. And so, uh, uh, Journal, journalistic in, in the roots. Matt Marshall started uh, VentureBeat and he, he had it running for a couple of years before I joined it. And he was uh, my colleague, a former colleague at the San Jose Mercury News covering venture capital. So he was, he's a journalist. Uh, he's still our CEO. And, um, you know, we, we had that journalistic uh, leaning from the beginning where we were going to write about companies and, uh, you know, uh, industries, but we're also always going to you know get try to get multiple views on on those stories and uh you know talk to those companies uh rather than sort of just uh, pulling our opinions out of the air like a lot of uh, bloggers um uh did uh, who who didn't have any you know say journalistic roots so that's you know that's um important for us as far as just our heritage uh, but on our day-to-day stories you know we don't you know, as since we started as a blog, as a modern, you know, uh, tech news site that was not a newspaper uh, or not a magazine, uh, then we we felt we could break some rules as well. So we can insert our op- opinions into the story that is a news story as as long as you know uh, we had some some backup for it. I mean, it's it's more like analytical uh, reporting, I think, uh, and then. Uh, you know, relate some personal stories about people. Like, say, you know, um, if I'm writing a, st- a story about a, a game, I-, I can mention that I, I met these people five cycles ago, uh, uh, you know, 20 years ago on a different game. And, and that, you know, uh, I can say personalize the story by bringing myself into it and saying, you know, I, I met these people and I watched them do this or something, right? So, um, so you know, there, there, there is a... Uh, uh, inclusion of personality into our stories. Yeah, it's interesting um, because objectivity, you know, obviously was the, the goal in journalism, but it seems like it's been, um, that goal has become more elusive than ever mm-hmm. uh, with the polarization, political polarization of news stories and the bubble filters of the social networks uh, showing us, you know, what we're already seeing to try to extend our session time. Um, do you think uh, we're becoming more sophisticated as a species about media and that we're beginning to maybe think objectivity is impossible? Um well, I, I, I think I see people who are working at publications that sort of classify themselves as objective, uh, finding ways to express their opinions, right? And so they, uh, they take the social media <laughs> and they, uh, you know, they're, you know, in their stories that they're writing for the publication, they're fairly neutral. But on social media, you know, they could be anti-Trump or, you know, they could be uh, whatever opinion they, they want to be. And um, I think uh, intelligent people are capable of distinguishing, you know, what's happening there, uh, where, you know, you, you, on the one hand are trying to convey a lot of facts in a, in a you know, published story, uh, versus, um, you know, uh, you get to have your own opinion and mouth off on, on social media. Uh, so, um, you know, to, to pretend that you don't have opinions, I think is, um, is a little deceptive, uh, and that, uh, uh, maybe if, if you get your opinions out there, uh, 
uh, on the right channels, uh, then uh, you can be more transparent uh, for your readers. Yeah. Uh, Dean, um, seeing as how tech is now, tech used to be a beat. Now mm -hmm. tech is part of everything. Tech spirals into every news beat. Mm -hmm. How do you decide what not to cover? Mm -hmm. Well, sometimes, you know, just, uh, you know, covering the latest uh, Cisco router is not as exciting as uh, covering but, the but things. But in, be, in yeah. the area of AI, yeah. Yeah. in the area of games, mm -hmm. how, do you, how do you distinguish? You know what? This falls outside our realm on mm -hmm. Venture B. What mm -hmm. are those boundaries? Um, well, I, I think, you know, finding things that are really compelling and interesting is still... Uh, where we will break our rules, right? And so, like, I, I got a pitch about a, um, we don't cover healthcare and we don't cover medical instruments, but I got a pitch from Dexcom uh, about, do you want to wear a glucose monitor? And, uh, and I said, oh, you know, I, I've never known what my actual blood sugar is moment to moment uh, and uh, what happens when I eat food. And so like out of this quantified self-interest, I said, OK, let's do it. And so then I, uh, I did it and I, I saw like how much my blood sugar fluctuates based on what I was doing at the time. Like, you know, if I had uh, a meal, if I had a uh, pasta right? Then it'd be, you know, like it'd be going out of control, right? Uh, or if I was out on a jog, then it would be getting low uh, to the point where my, the, the app on my phone was telling me, um, you know, that your, your sugar is low and, you know, uh, you know, you should pay attention to that. And so it helped me understand, you know, people like who have, you have to deal with this as a life and death issue, like, you know, people with diabetes uh, and, um, uh, also understand, you know, like just the relationship between like what you eat and what what your how your body functions as well. And so, to me, that was just an amazing data story, uh, and like our transparency into our bodies, uh, you know, seeing what's going on in our lives. I thought that was a, a great tech story, and I wrote it up that way. And um, you know, uh, we uh, we had a good reaction to it, and so. Uh, so sometimes it's when you get to break your own rules about what you cover and what you decide story that um, is interesting. You know, another, another topic that's always interesting to me is technology fading into the woodwork. Uh, and, um, you know, like the Carnival cruise ships, like, you know, remember the era when we were all able to go on cruises. <laughs> uh, you know, they, they outfitted their, you know, their ships with technology uh, that, uh, you know, improve their, their services. Like, you know, the maids could go into your room at a time when they knew you weren't there. Uh, so they knew that if they knocked on the door, you know, they weren't going to wake you up. Right. Uh, and uh, the, the, you could order a drink and it would get delivered to you anywhere on the ship because you were wearing a bracelet and they, they knew that uh, they could find you. And, and so these, these are things where, um, you know, non-tech companies embrace technology and bring it in and make their services better. Uh, and uh, that's the age where we are now, where, you know, it's not just the tech companies that are using technology, it's everybody. And, and sometimes those are the stories. Amy, uh, you have a question you want to ask? Sure. Yes. Can you hear me? Yeah. Okay. Um, I was just curious. I um, work with a nonprofit here in Nevada that uh, 
pairs together founders and angel investors. So for VentureBeat, beyond the tech-specific pitches of new products, new technologies, are you all looking at um, covering the perspective of founders more or the perspective of angel investors, or maybe it's more the um, convergence of the two into building a startup economy um, where I'm located here in Nevada, um, which we're seeing a lot of Silicon and Northern Nevada companies and startups coming here to do business as well as homegrown ventures from uh, folks who are looking to kind of transition given the economy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I think uh, it is interesting to get a pitch when uh, you can see something in the economy uh, through that one company, right? Or one, one individual or one company, uh, like, you know, um, you know, tragically, uh, Tony Shea pa- passed away. Right. And, uh, um, but he was uh, so interesting because he, you know, transformed downtown Las Vegas into, uh, a startup, uh, hub. And, um, uh, uh, you know, that was clearly obviously a, you know, a monumental story of like transforming a city um, using uh, technology and all, all executed by one person. Right. Um, And I, I, I think um, we, you know, we are uh, always trying to be an ally these days uh, for uh, people who in some way are um, underprivileged or underrepresented uh, and, uh, you know, if, uh, if we can find some very interesting stories to tell ab- about those people, then you know, we will go after them. Uh, you know, like if, if you tell me we, we have an incubator and a st- and then we're promoting startups and we're trying to, you know, improve our, our local economy, I think that's, you know, not as interesting, not, not something that we, we would jump on because, you know, there's a thousand places in the country where that's, you know, people are trying to make that happen. But if you tell me a, a story about a specific person, uh, then that becomes interesting, right? And the example I, I like to always bring up about uh, games is that, like, I was at a an indie game event that uh, Intel happened to be sponsoring, and I was talking to a lot of indie developers about their games, and there was this young woman who was showing me her game. And, uh, uh, you know, it was one of uh, many games at the event and one of millions of indie games that, you know, I could have looked at. And, uh, and then she mentioned uh, in passing that her mother was a game developer. And then um, I thought about that a bit. And, you know, uh, 20% of the people who work in the game industry are women, right? And uh, if you have a second generation female game developer, uh, what, what are the odds of that? Like, you know, uh, the game industry is not that old. <laughs> it started in the 1950s, right? And so, so for this woman to have a mother who was a game developer herself uh, is the rarest of things. And I, and I said, you know, I thought about that and I said, whoa, you know, like you're showing me your game here and that's interesting and that's okay. But what you just said about yourself, you know, makes you the unicorn of unicorns, right? <laughs> and so tell me more about, you know, what it was like to grow up as a, a, the daughter of a game developer uh, who was also a woman, right? Uh, and, uh, and that turned out to be a good story. Um, Dean, 
Uh, I know that you guys have a lot of these, uh, what you call VB special issues on the site. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so what drives a venture beat special issue? How do you decide what to do special reports on? Mm-hmm. Um, well, they're, they're like a collaboration of uh, our business side uh, that is seeking sponsorships uh, as well as uh, editorial. And so, so the, Sponsors can come in and, you know, get exposure and sponsor a series. And, um, uh, you know, that helps us as a, as a business uh, to, to, you know, uh, get, get that kind of um, advertising. But, um, but the editorial part of it is, is sort of like figuring out, okay, well, you know, if, if we have the budget to do a series of stories on one topic, what would we do? Right. And so we, we choose and um, like we have one coming up on healthcare in January, I believe. Um, but we we had one not long ago that I, I helped out with uh, that was about AI ethics. Right. And um, uh, and so we collected, you know, you know, we had the efforts of multiple writers and, and we did um, a dozen stories on that topic and we packaged them all together as one. And, uh, you know, if we were a print publication, we would have sent this out as a special magazine. Right. Uh, and instead, you know, we published all the stories at once and we called them a special package and uh, that's what it was. And so there are all these related stories. Mine happened to be about a game uh, uh, professor who had thought a whole lot about what it means to be uh, uh, a god in terms of being a game developer who creates people inside, uh, you know, virtual worlds. Uh, in you know the the, the ethics of uh, how that game developer should behave if uh, if they are creating sentient beings that have their own artificial intelligence uh, that seems like it's really close to human intelligence right and uh, uh, you know can you uh, can you treat them as your slaves right for example uh, or can you or do you treat them as as real people right uh, and uh, you know it is a sort of a fascinating discussion so so anytime we can try to do these kinds of deep dives into one subject um we do it and um you know it it it, uh, happens as often as we get can get a sponsor to get behind uh something like that uh just uh you know so many times a year what is uh your policy on links from articles Mm -hmm. Uh, do venture beat writers have the liberty to link keywords from their articles to external sites if they believe they're useful to the reader Mm -hmm. Uh, well, generally speaking, we, we try to, uh, put links from our own stories into the, into the story to help with our own SEO so that, you know, Google recognizes us as, uh, you know, the actual venture beat, right? <laughs> uh, because there, uh, there are so many, uh, ripoff sites out there that will rip our articles and just, uh, you know, take credit for being venture beat when they're not actually venture beat. Uh, but, um, uh, we we also link to the companies that we're writing about our, ourselves, you know. So people want more information about that company, they can link to it. Um, uh, you know, then it then it becomes uh, a matter of like linking to what's relevant. Like if uh, Bloomberg did a story on this company and uh, you know broke some news on it and it was very interesting, then we're, we'll link to that as well. Um, and we're 
we're not uh, being uh, compensated or paid, uh, you know, to include links in stories. Um, we do have ads that run, you know, alongside a story or, you know, in, in, inserted into stories and people can link out to those if, if they want. Um, and then um, uh, I think um, we're experimenting with um, like models where we have something like a gift guide where we could um, uh, link out and get affiliate revenue for, you know, for, for getting, you know, credited uh, with uh, somebody buying some product that we just review. Like a, like right. a wire cutter type thing. Uh, yeah, and uh, I'm not as totally familiar with what what their thing is, but but yeah, I you know that's that's generally the idea. Do you so, guys have an official policy on news embargoes? Uh, we abide by them if we if we agree to it, uh, and you know we keep our agreements. Uh, you know there are publications out there that have uh, policies where they won't honor embargoes, right? <laughs> and uh, and that complicates uh, the world for us uh, because we often have to ask, okay, if we agree to agree to an embargo, what happens when those other publications that you've also pitched and maybe didn't realize don't honor them? What happens when they break the embargo? Like, what can we do, right? And then, you know, generally speaking, we 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 say that if somebody breaks an embargo, then the embargo is off, and that we can publish as well. Uh, so yeah, we we have that general policy, but but each writer uh, has their own approach to this, and uh, uh, they can decide what they want to agree to or or not. Sure, um, sure. Dean, thanks so much for doing this. If someone wants to get a hold of you, what's the best way for them to do that? Uh, I'm at deanadventurebeat.com and um, Dean Tech on Twitter. Um, so uh, those are probably the easiest ways. And... Dean Takahashi, senior yeah. writer at GamesBeat Adventure Beat. Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah. Lead writer at Adventure Beat. <laughs> Sorry, lead writer for GamesBeat Adventure Beat station title. Uh, lead and, writer. And yeah, the other thing that I forgot to mention a lot of was that I, I select a lot of the speakers for our game events. And so uh, I run uh, the GameSpeed Summit uh, conferences that we do. Uh, we were doing them once a year, but now we're doing uh, more events more frequently. And so you can also see those on the, on the website uh, of what events we have coming. And I, I pick the speakers for the, for the, awesome. we'll have a link in the show notes. Hmm. If you need a website and your own IT team at your beck and call, check out IPR software at erichschwartzman.com forward slash IPR software and get your first month free. If you'd like a free copy of the 2021 Social Media Trends Report, go to erichschwartzman.com forward slash talklocker or just stick around to the end of the webinar and you'll be redirected to the download page after uh, we finish here. Uh, next Wednesday, we have a special webinar on the 12 essential digital marketing skills you need to pivot your agency or business to digital. It marks the release of our 2021 essential digital marketing skills report, and attendees will get a the first copies of that. The week after that, we'll be talking on how to create topic clusters for SEO with Alex Ritter, the CTO of Inc. for All, a content performance optimization platform we covered last week with Michael Umansky, and you can find that episode on the blog at ericsportsman.com forward slash blog. Um, that episode is already out if you like. Uh, to subscribe to the podcast and replay this webinar, go to ericsportsman.com forward slash earn media. 
and sign up. Dean, thanks once again. And thanks everybody for joining us.